Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Olive Magazine podcast, your weekly digest of all things food, drink and travel related. My name is Laura Rowe, the editor of the magazine and your eternally greedy host. This week, food director Janine talked to Max of the famous Max's Sandwich Shop in Finsbury Park, London about his sandwich heaven and hell and the six elements needed to create the perfect butty. Travel editor Rhiannon has shared her eating and drinking tips for the French Pyrenees with our digital intern Amanda, including why you should never call a pan au chocolat by that name in southwest France. And back by popular demand, Big Al from Meantime Brewery is back, joined by Olive Drinks writer Sarah for a lesson in beer and cheese. First up, here's Janine and Max. Okay, this week I'm with um, Max Halley. Max's sandwich shop um, in my manor, Crouch End, uh, yeah. just around the corner this from me. This isn't Crouch End, this Finsbury Park. All right, all right, it's Stroud, Stroud, <laughs> Stroud Green, if you're going to be. Yeah, I always say it's in between <clears throat> Finsbury Park and Crouch right, End. Right, it's in between well. Finsbury Park and Crouch I'm End. glad we've agreed um, on that, fine. Max's sandwich shop is pretty famous on Instagram. Um, it, get, it gets a lot of grumming happening, mainly because of the epic epicness of his sandwiches and the um, potty mouth yeah and his potty mouth which we're going to try and contain in no, I'm this going podcast to say duck not <laughs> <laughs> um, the reason being that max used to be a chef um in in various swanky quite really swanky restaurants before you opened mm. your sandwich shop and his sandwiches are not your regular ham and cheese uh they're, they're pretty special not so, a blt in sight no so um yeah, so tell us tell us about your tell us about your journey from um Tosh Post Restaurant Chef journey. to Sandwich Guru. I did a lot of cooking because <laughs> I like to eat. Yeah. And so I like I literally I did I did an ancient history degree at university. See everyone I've interviewed recently <laughs> who's went to university and did a fine art or history or something yeah. different, they're like And I went and worked in a publishing company for six months. And did not enjoy myself. Okay. And I decided to get the hell out of there and go go work in food, mm. which was <gasps> 14 years ago. So you were kind of just out of uni, sort straight of early of uni, 20s. Six yeah. months, straight into, a pub, like, straight into a publishing company. Yeah. And then, yeah, straight out of there. In, in the, I just phoned the only person I knew, my friend Harry, who owned like, a little hotel in Wales. Yeah. And I said, I, I want to learn to cook and about food and he just gave me a job and I went and worked with him in his kitchen for a Amazing. year and he was like he sort of trained in all these jazzy places in the south of France and stuff because he grew up in the south of France yeah and um he put me through catering college really yeah. I suppose like over the course of the year I worked for him where I, I didn't know anything when I went there yeah but like, I knew what was I knew what delicious was but yeah. I didn't know um I didn't know how to make anything. Yeah. And he just taught me, you know, how do you make stock? How does, how the meringues work? Like, So you, know, you got to work on all the sections and do yeah. all of the different yeah. cooking. And yeah, then, and cook and everything sweet and savoury. And, and then uh, how did you end up working at places like Arbutus and Salt Yard and mm. that kind of... Oh, it, the, all, the, all of that comes from prior to all of the restaurants that I worked in. I worked for Brindiza. Oh, right, yeah. Um, Britain's loveliest Spanish food importing company. I mean, they were the um, first people to bring all of that stuff over, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, really, yeah. They were, yeah. they were like, early to the... I can't remember where it was, like, 1989 yeah, yeah, or something yeah, she started really, it. Yeah, really, really, yeah. They were proper at the beginning. And it all that, that started because her brother had a business selling English cheese in Spain. Right. And so she was living in Spain, her brother was sending English cheese to her, mm. and she thought, yeah... 
uh, you know, <laughs> I should be sending stuff back. And that's how she started. But anyway, yeah. no, yeah. I digress. Yeah. So, um, I worked for Brindiza in their wholesale operation, mm. selling their beautiful food to chefs and oh, delis right. in yeah. London. And then when I left there, I then kind of already had this big network of People like chefs you, and yeah. restaurant owners that yeah. I knew from working for Brind... Literally, because it was my job to talk to them at Brindiza yeah. to sell them stuff. So I had, like, one of many stupid failed business ideas. This, <laughs> I'd set up this company called Eager, uh, spelt like reggae backwards, oh. which was Britain's first... Ex- uh, Britain's first exclusively British artisan food wholesaler. Really? Yeah. In, like, 2007. Oh, man, you went, you went too early. I went Exactly, I went too early. And, like, uh, at the time, 2007, it was still, like, slight, it was at the very beginning of yeah. food just going, like, just mental, going mental yeah. in England. And... Uh, no one, no, I, I travelled around England and I found all these beautiful cold-pressed rapeseed oils and charcuteries yeah. and vinegars and, you know, like, all these things. But no one was actually making them in large enough quantities for oh, me so to be able to buy them cheap enough. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was basically selling the stuff at so close to cost price yeah. uh, that it just wasn't a viable... No. It was not a viable business. But um, in the meantime, you were discovering all of these amazing ingredients that... yeah. yeah. And I guess it's all those things. It's yeah. like there's no one specific reason why you end up doing something. Yeah. It's all of the funny little things you do that yeah. put flesh on the bones that end up yeah. that have now ended up with this with my thorny thing. So <laughs> um, let's talk about the thorny thing. When did when did Max's salmon shop like pop into your head as I'm gonna this is what I'm gonna do. This is my this is my dream. <laughs> I, the day before we opened. Like, they, no, <laughs> I can believe that. Like, no, no news. <laughs> the, the, my original idea was to open, like, what I realise now, having this place, was my original idea was to open, like, a relatively conventional sandwich shop okay. in Soho, called Out Here on the Dance Floor. <laughs> um, and there's this song by the Detroit Grand Poobas called Sandwiches right. that goes, you can be the bun, can you I sing can it? be... Yeah, <laughs> I am, I, I am <laughs> bloody singing it. I am ducking singing it. Um, <laughs> uh, go, you can be the bun, I can be the burger girl. Out here on the dance floor, we can make sandwiches. Mm, and so I racy. thought... Yeah, yeah, naughty. And so I thought I'd open a sandwich shop in yeah. Soho and I'd raise some money... And all these things. Yeah. And I suddenly... I was, like, in my last round of of meetings Mm. with this dude who had loads of dollar. Um, (laughs) Because you need so much money to open something in Solo. You need, need like, 250 grand just to open a poxy sandwich shop. Really? Or opened here for 11 in the end. Wow. But I was so nearly... Like signed on the dotted line. Signed on the dotted line. Give fifty percent of my business to a dude who's basically just a bank. Yeah. And I, in, I just suddenly thought, like, I can't. What's the point of like starting your own thing, and it not being yours from day yeah. one? That just seems ridiculous. So I basically, I, I pulled out of it. Wow. And then, I where was I then? And then this might like my friend's friend found this site. Yeah. And originally, my friend and I were going to go into business together here um, to do doing a sandwich shop. Mm. 
but in the end, my friend moved to de- decided to move with his missus to Devon, right. and so the sandwich shop became was all mine, not not yeah. mine and Willie's. The thing was here, I was able to take to get this site yeah. because my friend's friend's dad owned the lease on the build on the restaurant yeah. because he'd inv- he'd had a restaurant here, Chickadees, the Kenyan chicken restaurant, <laughs> um, which had unfortunately or I'm sorry to say it, but fortunately for me, yeah. uh, had not worked out. And so he was basically just desperate to offload the site. It had yeah. become like a chain around his neck. It was closed and he was paying the rate and the rent. Oh, right, and yeah, so, so you took it over so from I him. Just so you took did it, him a favour, really. Did, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I guess. Sort of. And sort of. Worked out for <laughs> Like a selfish favour. Yeah. <laughs> the best I've done kind. Him a really nice <laughs> selfish favour that's worked out really well for me. Um, but, so I was able to get here without needing tonnes of cash, is yeah. what I'm saying. So... There's no lunchtime trade, really, no. around here. And I, I like to get up late. I didn't want to be open in the day. I didn't think it would be busy at lunchtime, so it mm. needed to be open at night. But I still wanted to do sarnies. Yeah. And so this way of me looking at sandwiches in a slightly different way than sarnies are generally yeah. looked at, I guess. I, yeah, because normally it's kind of like of yeah, food, on right? the hoof or, yeah. you know, something, something quick for lunch. But yeah, yeah. something you get in a, you know, a crappy little plastic packet from yeah. a supermarket or whatever um whereas i tried to look at them as sort of plates of food that come in between bits of bread but anyway so that way of looking at the sandwiches was really defined by the site Mm. because it's like no you don't no one wants a blt for their dinner you know it's cold or no one wants a chicken and (laughs) (laughs) like 8 30 on a friday night no they don't and so i so then it was sort of i was Sure, I wanted to stick with sandwiches. Mm. No one really owned the sandwich. No, as not, far as not the so, not the not the drinking dinner sandwich. No. as I think of them. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah, definitely the drinking. <laughs> and and so yeah, I just I knew it. Need, they needed to be hot. They needed to be prop thought. You know, properly thought about, like a chef would think about someone's dinner. Yeah, I needed to think about all of sandwich, the elements. Sandwiches like that. Yeah, like because I mean, just for listeners who don't know. Um, Max's menu is quite... I think you normally have... Is it three or four? Four, reg- four. Four regulars. Yeah. Um, and the occasional so, one sneaking in. So, like, the one that the one that we had, um, which is the ham, egg and chips. chips. But it's but it's not ham, egg and chips. It's not. Well, it is ham, egg and chips. Well, it is. But it's, it's sort of not. It's, it's like the best ham, egg and chip sandwich that you'll ever have. Basically. Yeah. So, can you, like, describe that and then we'll go on from that. Just describe the elements. That firstly, bread. Yeah. Like, we make our own focaccia. Yeah. I've spent a long time slagging off sourdough and getting really angry. Yeah, we'll get we'll get onto we'll get bread onto in a bit because yeah. I want to spend a little bit of time on bread. <laughs> yeah. Um, so first the bread, yeah. like f- straight up nice focaccia. Then on the bottom of the sandwich, like braised ham hock yeah. meat, which you do here, like eight which, hour cooking. Yeah, beautiful. Cooking, yeah, gorgeous. So quite salty, quite strong, yeah. delicious yeah. ham. Uh, then you get piccalilli on top of that. Again, like we make all the piccalilli. We make yeah. everything. The only thing we don't make is ice cream. Right. Because Jalupo are too good at it. Yeah. And I think there is that thing of... It's like someone came in the other day and asked me, like, oh, where did... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's something else we don't make. Uh, said, like, how do you make this Bombay mix that we've got in, in the Bargy Smuggler Sandwich? And I was like, well, we... 
We do. We go to Tesco <laughs> and buy it. <laughs> but for me, it's not it's not proper Bombay mix when you've made it. No. It's got to be out of bag. There's guys uh, out there who, who rule the Bombay mix, you know, let them lead yeah, them to it. I exactly. Say. And I was like, you'll just never, be, I will never be able to make Bombay mix so, as good as the stuff. Anyway. So we've, we've got, we've got the warm, chunky ham. We've got your house we've made piccalilli that you make. We've and got a fried egg. egg. Yeah. Yep. A nice big fried egg. Nice fried egg. Then a sprinkling of shoestring fries. And these like, are like really skinny skin. They're not yeah, chips, the, the, are they? They're the more French like... call them allumettes. Oh, like yeah, yeah. Ma- matches, because yeah. they're basically Ma- the same yeah. diameter or whatever yeah, you call it. Exactly. Dimensions as a matchstick. Yeah, and they're really crunchy. They are super crunchy. Yeah. And, and then on top, we just have um, mayo, again, that we make yeah. uh, with loads of malt vinegar in it. Oh, yeah. Um, that was the thing that Matt said, I think, that really... That it, it, it's, it it's makes... A, yeah. It's so weird, but yeah. it's like, without that malt vinegar flavour, yeah. I swear the sandwich is, like, no way near as good as it is. Yeah. It. There's something about malt vinegar. And it's so funny that I still think, I'll bet you there are not very many, like, inverted <laughs> commas, proper restaurants... Yeah in England that use malt vinegar on stuff. Yeah. Chefs are really snobby about it. Yeah. It's like always, you know, your eight-year-old balsamic or your, you know, but everything's malt vinegar wine vinegar. It's got its own little, you know, when you get that, like, sense memory, malt vinegar evokes certain, yeah. you know, things. And, like, yeah, and, exactly. And, and, you it, know, it, gets and, the taste buds going. Yeah, and it makes about, me think of, like, crisps yeah. and stuff like that It as makes well. me think about walking along the road, nicking a chip off someone who's yeah, got right. a steaming bag of chips. And you get that loads wolf, of malt vinegar, that, like, you get headiness wolf. of yeah, vinegar. Lovely. Mm. So that, I mean, yeah, so basically what, what we're describing is Max's um, idea of a sandwich, which, as you can see, is not your normal uh, butty, your normal English butty. So you were saying before you've got, you've got an idea about there's certain elements you need to make, to make up a sandwich. Yes, I have a checklist. All Hot, right, OK. cold, sweet, sour, crunchy, soft. That's nice. So if all six of those elements are yep. present in... Yep. The contents of the sarni. Then it's you're basically done deal. yeah you're basically onto a winner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let let's talk about that bread. Let's because I know that mm. you're you I know that you've just confessed to, mm. to to actually making a sandwich out of sourdough. But you yeah, had look a, not you, I don't no, want to I know, talk. Right. About, this is public. <laughs> <laughs> People can hear this. Max is on record as saying sourdough can get sourdough's the, all right. Get but, the get the heck out of here. I think get the said. duck get, uh, can <laughs> duck off or something. Yeah, Go yeah. duck itself. I seem to remember. <laughs> Saying. <laughs> I mean, I can understand that because we, we, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, or even we, in this thing where sourdough was um, like overtaking everything, and there was so much bad sourdough out there. Yeah. you know, it just became the thing. Exactly, and two things. Right, and that that kind that of thing really it. pisses me off. Yeah. Where it actually, the sort of thing yeah. has become so ubiquitous yeah. that you have to have it, even if it's shit. Yeah. So you've got like yeah. you 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 feel like you're somewhere proper. There's yeah. like you're somewhere artisan because yeah. they've got sourdough bread. And they don't even crap sourdough, and it's not. Like, and they don't yeah. even, they don't make like so many places. They don't make <laughs> it even. Do you know what I mean? Like I may sit here slagging off sourdough and upsetting yeah. lots of people, but you know at least we make, we do make our bread here. You know, like even though it's it's not as seemingly as artisan a product as... But it's still homemade. I mean, homemade bread's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And you do it properly and you make... Yeah. So what's your... Um, what's, where does your love of focaccia come from? Because that's what you use, it, isn't it? It comes from eating sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah, Just no joke. Just because it's a good it's, it's good. It's got, it's got a good crust yeah. on top. Yeah. And what do you call it? 
a, a dense crumb yeah. or something, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. Like small air holes, basically, yeah. tiny air holes. Um, so because of the crust on top, it's really nice for holding. Yep. Mayo, meat juice, whatever. Soaks into doesn't, it. And yeah, doesn't soaks break into it, it, but doesn't soak all the way through it. Yeah. So... Was it? I had a good phrase at one point. Oh, mate, my short-term memory. <laughs> uh, it, um, it, 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 it soaks up lots of juices whilst maintaining its structural integrity. Yeah. So it's like it is super juicy, but it does not fall apart. Yeah. Um, it's also easy in like the restaurant in a to restaurant make sense. In, like quantity, because yeah. you can make big trays of it. You make it in a tray, like the tray fits in the oven, the, the tray fits in the you know, the cooling rack. Like, it's a dream product to make. I have to ask um, you, have you mm. ever come across a stotty cake? Yeah, I have come across a yes. stotty cake. Yeah, yes. a stotty <laughs> man! <laughs> fact, my housemate, Neil, who uh, is from Sunderland. Yes. Oh, well, oh, what we we, boo. <laughs> he, what is it? You... Mack him. He's a mack him. They mack him and you tack him. Yeah. It's you. a... Uh, oh, people from, who are from Newcastle, Sunderland, apologies. Mm. <laughs> but, um... If you don't know, a stotty cake is like a Geordie... Um, it's like Geordie focaccia, basically. Geordie focaccia. It's got the same... It's got it's... a similar bounce. It's got the soft crust. Um, and we normally have... And this is blindingly simple, but honestly, the best sandwich ever, which is um, ham and peas pudding. Oh, so do you know what I peas love pudding peas is? pudding. Yeah, okay. It's basically like the English dal curry. Yeah. Can I tell you something? Yes. Jamie Oliver once did a recipe for peas pudding. Jamie Oliver bet never show his face in Newcastle because he put potatoes in it. What? Exactly. He pelted to death with rock-hard rolls full of peas pudding. For the uninitiated, peas pudding is yellow split peas. Mm. Um, and what used to happen back in the day, like my grandma would cook a ham hock and you put a bag of split peas in oh. while the ham hock was cooking and it sucks up all what, the What, in like hock. a muslin yeah, 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 exactly sack that. thing? So you end up with this like this kind of mush which, which is flavoured with ham hock juice. Oh my God, we, do, we cook ham hocks every night here. Mate, split peas. Why am I not had <laughs> split peas ever? I have also got like a catering roll of mother. Like, I could bind the whole of the planet okay, in so muslin. What, with, what, watch this space. Watch this space. Max's ham- Peas Pudding Shop. You can call it the Geordie. I'm getting out the sandwich game. The you, can call, you can call the, it the Geordie. Geordie the Geordie focaccia where you just like a lump of peas pudding. Yeah, yeah peas pudding. Oh, you can use your, you can use a slow cook ham hock. You can... I'll bring you some stotties back. I'm going to Newcastle in yeah, June. Please. Yeah, I'm going to bring you back. <laughs> oh my god! And I'll cook. I like literally. I've got loads of muslin, and we yeah. we cook ham hocks yeah, yeah, every I'm night. Coming down. All right. This is. <laughs> but like moving on, let's talk about um, sandwich hell. Let's talk about what sandwich what, hell. Because my my sandwich hell, for example, is is sandwiches out of the fridge, like cold sandwiches. Cold. Yeah. Oh mate. Yeah. That's it's yeah. so wrong. You want you want elements of, like my thing: hot, cold, sweet, sour, crunchy, soft. Like but you don't want cold in a sandwich, co- but you don't want icy cold every single no. element. No, 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 uh, and, and exactly. Cold is only good in the context of hot. Yeah. Right. Not. Yeah. yeah. As a as a foil, a sandwich d- should not. It should be made when you order it. I, well, that's <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. Like otherwise, like pret. I I'm into pret. Yeah. We live in fin. Where we are in Finsbury Park, and loads of people are all sort of up in arms, like, oh, oh there's, like, a, new there's a new prep coming. <laughs> I was like, there's already a KFC, do you know? Like, well, I don't know why people say, I'm like, I, I really like prep. <laughs> like, 
I'll be down there having that one with the ham and the cornichons. Yeah, that's what I was That's the say. best one. That's ham, butter, cornichons. I was done. just going to mention that, right? That's yeah. my favourite bread sandwich. That's the best sandwich in bread, yeah. without a doubt. Because it's really simple, but the bread's really good. Yeah. Um, it's actually a battery yeah. type if you, thing, If you get there it? on the right day, do you go through and get the one with the most cornichons? Of course, yeah, of course. That's, that's <laughs> I do, and the ham's really thick cut yeah. and it's got... And there's, a, there's an actual proper amount of butter. So you're not opposed to a simple sandwich, given that you of are... Of course not. You're the crazy Willy Wonka of sandwiches, no. basically. But what is your sandwich hell, then? What is my sandwich hell? I guess my sandwich hell is a sandwich with cheese in it, which is what most people think of as a sandwich. Cheese sandwich. Yeah, cheese and some other stuff. Yeah. Like, What is your beef with cheese? I think cheese is disgusting. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why, whether I was, you know... Something terrible happened to me involving a truckle of Stilton <clears throat> as a small boy or something. I really don't so have we, any memory. If we had a cheese cheese o meter, um, so say like on the cheese on the cheese o meter disgustingness. Yeah, ten being most disgusting. Yeah, what would be like the most disgusting cheese that anyone could put in front All of you? All the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather I could give you a list of the ones that are nice rather right. than because all of the others are disgusting. All right, let's talk about the ones that are nice. Mascarpone, nice. Is that even technically a cheese? That's what I'm, that, I see. That's what I'm talking about. It's that's the kind of cheese I like. Cheese that isn't technically a cheese. <laughs> uh, mozzarella is that really a cheese? A mozzarella's um, nice. Though. I, I love mozzarella, but it tastes like I like cheese that tastes like yogurt. But my, mozzarella, I mean, yeah, burrata, burrata, okay. halloumi. Uh, yeah, don't like feta. Disgusting. Um, Feta's quite mild though. So it's sour, salty, yeah. gross. I'm not into salty dairy stuff. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you go, go down to Green Lanes for your supper and they like you, they mm. give you an eye ran. And I always think, like, oh, duck and hell. Um, I don't want that salty yoghurt drink. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Even though you said yoghurt's all right. Yoghurt's all right, but I don't want salt in it. What would be... Say, say you're at home and you haven't got your, your gear around you. Yeah. Tell us what is your, what's Max's ultimate, like, let's call it the Sunday brunch sandwich what what would you knock up for yourself like at home so? oh my word do you know what i would there? do i'd go to the supermarket i'd buy yeah. a stuff for a fry up yeah i would fry it up <laughs> and then i'd put it in some bread <laughs> like my default there's the uh, angel cafe over the road from my yeah, house yeah, yeah, yeah. i live above season that restaurant yeah. it's a really good restaurant practically is lovely my housemate my i live with neil guy won't it yeah um in our member having badly pad <laughs> Above the restaurant. So you'd Men behaving make... really badly. How would you, how would um, you... Come on, you would jazz up that sandwich so, somehow. Well, I, come on. So I go to the Greasy Spoon yeah. and I say, hello, I'd like uh, bacon, sausage, poached egg, tomatoes, black pudding and hash browns. Right. And they go, right. And I go, in a baguette. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's just like, a mess with their heads. Yeah, there's like, I'll just get the guy out of the kitchen and he comes out like, is this true? Like, yeah, <laughs> I put it in the bread, man, please. It's delicious. Cover it in hot sauce and I'm done. That is my, yeah. So my Sunday brunch would probably be not me at home. It would be a trip to the greasy. Yeah, and um, a fry up in a bag. And have a fry up in a baguette. Did you say beans there or not? No. Or beans? <laughs> I'm not into beans either. Too sweet for me. Too sweet. Mm. Juice, though. You need the juice. Where's your juice I'm into beans. From? I'm not into, like, baked beans. Where's your juice coming from? In there? Hot sauce, ketchup, right. yeah. butter, okay. mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> you can... Uh, I'm starting to sound like I look. <laughs> 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 
Oh my God. Well, thank you very much for talking to us today. I honestly, so many good tips there and, and, and let, let's make the Geordie happen. Yeah, let's um, make the Geordie happen. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to come back in the future, a few weeks and chat, chat more sandwiches because I yeah, think please. we've got a lot more to say. Um, I, I come back anytime you like. Yeah, well, you're just down the road. So exactly. Me. All right. Thanks very much, Max. All right. Thanks, love. Next, we have Rhiannon and Amanda dissecting the food of the Pyrenees. Hello, I'm here with Rhiannon, our travel editor, and she's been on a recent trip to the Pyrenees, and we're going to talk through lots of lovely things that she got up to there, and most of all, what she ate. <laughs> so, um, when, you were, when you went to the Pyrenees at Easter, what made you choose that part of France in the first place? Um, I think we just fancied we'd been to, the, to France quite a lot, and uh, we wanted to go skiing as well, so it was... Somewhere mountainous, obviously, and the Haute Pyrenees was um, a region that I wanted to see more of. Really, a lot of people don't necessarily think of going there, but it's so beautiful, you know. No, just yeah. to, you imagine high mountains and meadows and these yeah. old stone farmhouses, and it's oh, just kind of the France of nostalgia that you, you know, there's no. Starbucks on every corner and um, it's all just little independent shops you know um, little old ladies breaking bread every morning just the way they always <laughs> have and um, the town we were we chose a town that was perfect for us because we've got two small children and so we could go skiing up on the slopes in the morning and then in the afternoon come back down and it was really warm and sunny oh, skiing lovely, at yeah. Easter is a really good thing to do with kids I think yeah. um and also the Pyrenees has all these amazing thermal spa pools. Oh, wow. So almost every town has one. So we spent most afternoons swimming outside. <laughs> Half in these did lovely... skiing, then went yeah. and spent time in this bar instead. Exactly. <laughs> Dreamy. It was a very nice trip. And eating, of course, as yes. well. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I've only, I've only only ever been to the Alps when I've been skiing. I've not been to the Pyrenees, so it's quite nice to hear. It is an alternative option to yeah. go skiing. Um, and so when you were there, what was the food like? Because obviously it's quite, also quite close to Spain, so is there quite a, a Spanish influence? That's right. Well, it's, no, it's interesting. I mean, half the Pyrenees are Spanish and half are French, but um, the region we were in was very definitely French, so ah. we were having these lovely French meals. And um, we were in a little town called Cotere, which um, is about two hours' drive from Toulouse, and it's just it's gorgeous. It's really pretty with all these balconied fin de siècle houses and... Um, it's just these huge mountains all around it. Wow, and then yeah. this lovely sound, you just hear the river rushing through it and the birds singing and wander around. And it's still, being France, still has oh, loads of little food shops. Yeah, so yeah. You just, you know, there are cheese shops, charcuterie shops, bakeries, indie wine shops and a little covered market that we picked up some jam and mm. beer. They're all made locally. So it was lovely. So nice. And while you were there, did you have any little new food discoveries to talk about? Well, one thing <laughs> I got called up on very early on was trying to order in a bakery a pan au chocolat in the morning <laughs> and being told that that's not what you call it in the southwest no of France. Here. <laughs> no, it's um, they call them chocolatines, oh. which I think is a really sweet word. So um, sweet. It's, uh, I think we should always call pan au chocolat yes. chocolatines. <laughs> um, so that was good. And then we were at we were staying at a really lovely little hotel called the Hotel Leon d'Or. Um, where and it was this really lovely quintessential French provincial hotel with blue shutters and oh. these lovely embroidered 
eiderdowns on the bed and it was very homely family run and they gave us all sorts of lovely homemade marmalades and gingerbread but the thing that we had a one dinner there as well and discovered something that I hadn't had before that I thought was delicious which was semolina they called it gnocchi but from what I would think of as gnocchi is nothing like this it was like creamy semolina as a savory side dish with some red and green pepper in and it was really nice it was with pan fried trout I thought that was so really was lovely. So was it similar to gnocchi or...? Not no, at all. No. I mean, I not know. as I would... They, uh, I asked the lady who'd cooked it and she said that's what we call it in France. But of course I think of gnocchi in yeah, Italy yeah. as... Um, little you know, little ball dumplings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Deliciousness. So no, um, it was like creamy semolina, wow. but, but savoury. And um, it was lovely. Sounds and, very interesting. Um, oh, the other thing they made there, which I really liked, was these little donuts uh, as part of the breakfast spread they were called merveille which means Ooh. wonders and so oh, they were really donut, sweet wonder donut for breakfast yeah. <laughs> every day should start yeah. with a wonder donut and they're little rectangles um quite small about two inches okay. long and um scattered with icing sugar and i hope you wow. know freshly cooked yeah. and if she, if it had run out she would run in and um, frantically make, make more, some more yeah. oh, so nice. that was a bit of a treat so french and um, when you were there, was there lots of options for the children? Obviously, because French food is quite known to be quite rich, so you kind of need a decent option for children to go to when you go to these resorts and everything. So um, it was fantastic for children. I think partly because it was so traditional. So wow. there were lots of. I mean, we had amazing pizzas at um, a pizzeria, not not particularly French, but they were homemade in a gorgeous wood-fired oven. It was called Giovanni Pizzeria, um, <laughs> and it did get very busy. So wow. definitely book for that one um and two doors up from the hotel was this really sweet little creperie that um was really old school i don't know when it was first built but the shop front looked very 1960s even 60s 70s and it was run by a very sweet lady called janine um who just worked seemed to work all day long she would get up early in the morning to make sourdough bread in her this huge um old bread oven that she said was 40 years old oh and she'd gosh. been cooking it there every wow. day, I think. Her whole life. Her whole life. And then she <laughs> made these lovely crepes during the day. And actually that was really useful for us because being in France, all the restaurants, apart from Janine's, seemed to close after lunch until 7 o'clock oh, in the okay. evening. Neither and if you've got, no. yeah, well, if you've got little ones like yeah. us, you need to feed them at about yeah. half past five <laughs> and they're waxed after yeah, a day's skiing definitely. and swimming. Yeah. So Janine was... Um, saved us on several occasions oh, makes we it taste even sweeter knowing that she's <laughs> ran it there for so long as well and yeah. it's just so so authentically I think French. so although I would say go now because I think she's trying to retire <laughs> understandably after all those <laughs> yeah, years of work I think so um and also also on that same street there were we're on a good street for food actually there was this amazing chocolate shop called Le Refuge des Sons um, and the woman there made chocolate, all her own chocolates in house from Valrona chocolate, and wow. also did a very nice homemade version of Nutella. Mm. Um, and the, but the other local thing was uh, blueberries. They obviously make a lot of things with blueberries yeah, yeah. locally. From we had blueberry liqueur and blueberry tarts, and <gasps> this uh, patisserie called Chez Jaloux just seemed to do blueberry cakes in all shapes and sizes, wow. tarts, gâteau basque, which was like a they looked a bit like um, a kind of... Oh, no, it wasn't the Gâteau Basque. It was the Torte au Mortille, which was like um, 
it looked like a giant muffin, wow. but it was um, slightly drier than a muffin, okay, yeah. but filled with blueberries. That was a speciality. Wow. That was lovely. Sounds amazing. Um, and boiled sweets. Cauterate's also known for its boiled sweets. <laughs> people would come, I think, for it was because it was a spa town. Yeah. And in the 19th century, people would come and hang out there and um, enjoy the waters. And then a lot of the time it was because they were ill, so they would suck these sweets, I think boiled sweets for their, for their throats. Ah, um, I bet the kids love those. And, well, yeah, and you yeah. can watch them being yeah. made. Kind of, um, They make this big kind of like a dough but obviously all different colours and then they stretch it out and back and stretch it and goes on for some time and then eventually um, spin it and slice it into these tiny little jewel-like sweets and they have really nice flavours like um, I saw pine flavour um, ah. blueberry of course <laughs> every blueberry flavour yeah. sweetness you could imagine that's right those are the prunies if Aww. you like blueberries yeah. <laughs> so nice um, so we've spoken a lot about sweet things um, what about savoury stuff was there lots of um, options and interesting finds yes. there yes um, we one day we went down the valley to a, a small town called Argel Gazost I'm, I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it but um, we'll go with that we'll go with that and there was a um, a place there called Salu uh, Saju Boutique, which is Pierre Saju's family charcuterie firm, um, and his, I suppose, grandparents started it up a hundred years ago. But he's really taken it on, and he, he's just opened this new factory down in the valley, specialising in something called pork de bigorre, oh. which I had not come across no. before. They see it as a kind of vocation, this pork raising. Um, one of the people I met there said, we don't feed people, we give them pleasure. Wow. <laughs> um, so it's, that is dedication you, yeah, to food, the job. Food is pleasure. So. <laughs> um, but they have an appellation d'origine contrôlée for the Port de Bigorre. And it, it, it's a very rare breed that's endemic to the Pyrenees. It's quite small and very prized. Yeah. And they cure it, in, well, they cure the hams in their cav at this factory for about, well, over two years, mostly. And what I loved is they were telling me that you can buy one and then that you can go and visit it while it's curing in, it, in the cab and go and it's look at it. And, yes. and then they give you a call when it's ready because wow. they're not all ready at exactly the same time. They look at them and they decide when they're ready. And, so amazing um, how much thought and process goes into it. The yeah. Care. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, but also, if you are a meat eater, the shop on site at this factory sells the most amazing variety of pork products from dry-cured belly pork um, to pork steaks, dry-cured belly rashers, copper, wow. uh, sausages, roulette, boudinoir, pate with blueberries. <laughs> um, Getting their blueberry fix in there, anyway um, they can. <laughs> yeah, and the pork that they sell, a bit like pork steaks, yeah. I mean, their chops really a bit... I tried that later at a restaurant called Leviscos, which was just outside that little village. And it's this lovely old-fashioned, classic is the word, I think, yeah. um, French hotel and restaurant. And, you know, there's no deconstructed anything going on there. It's all very French. much French, yeah. classic French cooking. And um, yeah. Yeah, I went, you know, it was a Tuesday in April and it was absolutely packed, lunchtime. Tuesday lunchtime in April and it was packed. And it was, um, I mean, the whole meal was spectacular, but the main course was this pork noir de bigorre. And it was like a huge chop with crispy ham around the top and this kind of boozy, creamy sauce with morels. And um, this gorgeous little 
train, I suppose you'd call it, of pasta stuffed with truffles. And the pork was cooked very pink, like a steak, which okay, is quite unusual. Yeah. They were saying that's how the be- that's the best way to cook it. Right. It almost doesn't taste like pork, um, but it was really fantastic. Really, really tender. Wow. It was. It was a bit of that was a discovery. Um, I bet it was a huge plate of food as well. It was actually. <laughs> I, could, I had to roll Yo, down the hill yeah. after that. And they brought out this lovely. I liked between the, the main course and the dessert. They brought out a little. Um, well, they called it a, a violette milkshake made with... Violette is a liqueur from Toulouse that's okay. like kind of palm of violets, wow, I suppose, yeah. and um, with a kind of doll's house scoop of vanilla ice cream and then this liqueur poured over it. Um, and it was really... That was also delicious. I thought, I'm going to definitely get some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try that at home. Nice. <laughs> wow, it sounds like a Moorish indulgent meal. Sounds delightful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when you were there, were there any other like local specialities that... Um, you found? Well, the, the, pr- probably one of the ones I hadn't heard of before was this dish called garbour, which um, is a kind of stew that's obviously great skiing food or hiking because, of course, it's we're getting into peak hiking yeah. season now as well. Um, but we tried it up on the slopes one day at this uh, the restaurant Le Lys, and it, we had it with... It, it can be made with lots of different things, but we had it with confit duck in mm. this hearty broth with beans and carrots and celery. Um, and uh, we also had a lovely meal at a place called Labrie de Bonk, which um, is just outside. Um, Bonks, I should say, spelt B-E-N-Q-U-E-S. Not the bonk that you're no. thinking. <laughs> Um, just outside Courtrai on the road to the Pont d'Espagne, which is a, a really big tour. People will know if they go to Courtrai because yeah. everyone wants to go and see this Pont d'Espagne, um, which is this beautiful bridge over a waterfalls. Um, but this restaurant is also right by a waterfall. It's an amazing setting. And it's one of those really rare places that does elegant food, but without lots of fuss. So we had this three-course meal um, a menu called Flavors of the Southwest, and my husband had an amazing beef dish for his main course that came with a side of bone marrow, which was quite dramatic. Wow, yeah. um, but my favorite course was my starter, which was a local cra- trout cured like gravidlax on a salad with all sorts of little sharp, fresh herbs. Mm. It was just really lovely. Sounds lovely, yeah, really delightful. Well, all that eating, you need to be skiing <laughs> skiing to work all that off, I think. Yes, definitely. Or hiking, of course. Um, we, oh, we discovered so many lovely places there. I mean, you know, you could definitely hike all day eat and then eat yeah, and, it just, and not feel too guilty. No, yeah. <laughs> um, we had a day at a place called the Cirque de Gavani, which is this amazing kind of um, bowl of uh, rock basically like a kind of you know it's, it's really really high mountains that just are in a semicircle it's extraordinary just kind of mountains meadows and waterfalls and then you come back to your little hotel and rest before waking up to another day of eating <laughs> eating skiing and sparring <laughs> exactly like. oh well it sounds like you had a lovely time oh we did yeah we were when we were having breakfast on the last morning in the hotel we met a woman from new york who told us that she comes here every year and has done for the last yeah. 20 years and she's just found her perfect french mountain escape yeah. and i think i might be joining her next year well, it sounds like such a nice combination of even if you were going if you wanted to go skiing but wanted a bit more 
other other indulgence or hiking or anything. It's a great combination of things to do. It is. An alternative to the Alps where lots of people go to go skiing and everything else. Yeah. And yet having some really delicious um, homemade French cooking. So Yes, and also just um, that real sense of being in kind of French France. Yeah. You know, it's lovely, very... Um, Authentic, Authentic, isn't it? It sounds so picturesque. I'm going to have to go. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend Aww, it. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Rhiannon. And last but certainly not least, brace yourselves. Big Al is back, helping us to navigate the world of cheese and beer pairing. Oh, thanks so much for having us down again and for talking beer and cheese with us today. Um, we've got a big event coming up with you guys in July, 6th of July. Um, Olive readers have got the chance to come down, do a brewery tour with Al, and then talk beer and cheese. Al's going to do the beer, and Paxton Whitfield are going to be doing the cheese. We've just had an amazing little tasting, um, which got us all very excited. And we just wanted to kind of speak to you and get a couple of notes on why beer and cheese is such an obvious pairing. Because a lot of people think cheese, and they think, oh, I'm going to pair it with wine, or I'm going to pair it with... You know, slay gin or whatever. So what, what makes beer such an obvious... Oh, I don't want to tread any toes about, you know, the wine with the cheese. The, 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 the thing is with beer, it's like I said before, we have the four elements, you know, yeah. uh, the four elements of making your beer. I mean, I, I don't want to spoil too much fun for, for, for anybody that will hopefully be thinking of coming to, to, to the event at uh, the, the meantime brew with, with Paxton and Whitfield uh, and myself, you know, but I've picked some bits that have got extra things in the beer I mean it's like I'm speaking we were speaking to to Dan, the 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 the, the lady that, that runs a shop at German Street, I mean, I mean the, the terroir with well, cheese is such a big deal. I mean, it's such a big deal. Cheese is also such a big bit thing with beer because if you think about wine, it's only really got one ingredient and that's the, the grapes, grapes and then yeah. the yeast. Beer, you have to start with at least four ingredients. We do, darling. Yeah. So you've yeah. got which are. <laughs> um, well, we need uh, malted barley. Oh, we need a malted cereal. Uh, we need water. We need yeast and we need hops. Like I said before, we can have the other application of fruits and chocolate and coke. And I had a beer the other day with peanut butter in it. Oh. You know, um, the, the, the thing I like, you know, the thing I like about spending time with Paxton and, and Whitfield was, you know, Dan, Dan explaining explaining about the, you know, the terroir being so important, not just about the geological build-up of what we're standing on, but, you know, the, the, the biodynamics, the inches of rainfall, you know, hours of sunshine. And then on top of that, you've got the breed of cow. Yeah, or sheep or, or goat. Sheep or sheep or goat, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, which is all relative and, and relevant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were picking we were picking uh, beers and cheeses there, uh, Sarah. You know, you know, it's to do with the mouthfeel. It's to do with the... I mean, some of these cheeses you're getting a mushroomy note from. Oh, or a mushroomy note. You know, but Dan said to me, don't always try the rind off a cheese. Obviously, yeah. if it's wax, you're not going to, because you've been picking <laughs> that stuff out of your teeth for not days. Not a great idea. Not, Sarah, not a great <laughs> idea at all, babe, no. Um, Dan said, always try the rind of a cheese. She said, because, and this was really poignant to me, she said, you wouldn't scoop the foam off the top of your beer. And after That's that, great, she had me hooked. Great um, analogy, because a lot of people are scared of the rind, aren't they? A lot of people... It can be bitter, it can be a bit tough, it's an odd texture sometimes. This is what puts me off, Sarah, (laughs) of the drying with the cheese. But now seeing it in the way that it's Mm. been explained to by Dan, who will be there on the evening that we we do this beer and cheese night... Babe, it was was a revelation to me. And to look the way that she'd cut the cheese... 
That's an American term that probably we shouldn't go into. You know, the way that the outside of the cheese has been maturing longer than the inside of the cheese. And to work your way down into it, to get the mouth, fill the table, the taste, the lactic notes, the barnyard notes. I mean, I think, I think, don't quote us on this, even though this is going out as a podcast, I think that most of the cheeses will be unpasteurised. Yeah. This is a big, big deal to myself and the boys and girls at me and Ty. We refuse to pasteurise our beer. I love unpasteurised cheese. I love pasteurised cheese. But I like the way that we can pick up uh, maybe a... Just think a little bit more to it, a little extra dimension if it's Definitely more depth of flavour. Yeah. Doesn't suit everybody's palate. Everybody's palate, everybody's receptors in those are yeah. different. My wife doesn't like the... That, uh, that really puckering, strong, really puckering, tangy, umami kick yeah. from unpasteurised cheese. Montgomery is not her cup of tea. Quick, oh, she's delicious, not... though. And with the... Oh, I don't want to spoil it. With the IPA <laughs> was fantastic. You weren't supposed to hear that. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's one beer and cheese matching that we're not letting go of here. We were very, I'm, I'm very, very sure that we agreed, the seven of us around the table agreed mm. that that was... Apart from one other maybe, but the, the IPA and, and the Montgomery cheddar is, for me, sits at the apex of the game as, um, as your, your post-dinner, your, your digestive dessert. I mean, when it's... For me, after a meal, I don't want too many biscuits and, and fruit and crackers. I just want cheese. Yeah. I'm a bit of a cheese animal. I don't even want it on anything. I, I don't need any crackers. Just have the cheese. OK, I think I'm going to tell my wife I'm never coming home again. I'm going to marry you, Sarah. <laughs> um, Jane, if you're listening to this, I'm never coming home again. I'm in love with Sarah. Uh, her street names are now going to be Sarah the Cheese. OK? Uh, that's a very nervous laugh from Sarah, if you, if you don't get that. Very nervous laugh. Yeah, so we did a lot Sorry. of... Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. We tasted a lot of cheese. We did. Quite early in the morning. Um, but we, yeah, we kind of went round and the guys from Paxton brought in some amazing cheeses. There's some photos on our Instagram as well if you go back through that. Because, like you say, it's all down to each person's individual palate. But are there some kind of general rules? Would you always drink an IPA with a certain type of cheese? Would you always drink... IPAs, IPAs, for me, I'm I'm talking about our IPA now, Sarah. Um, I mean, I love America-style IPAs. They could be big fruit and floral, handles of hops. Um, our IPA was described by a, a, a beer writer, a friend of mine, a guy called Pete Brown. He's a demigod to me, Pete, <laughs> an absolute legend. Uh, and he describes our IPA as the most authentic IPA on the face of the planet. And wow. I agree that uh, the recipe for our beer is nearly it 200. It is delicious. If you haven't tried it, you need to get hold of this. The bitterness is there. It says 65 IBUs, but it's got a real strong malt backbone. The hops are uh, uh, traditional Kentish hops, 50% Buggles, 50% Golds, at 7.4%. Little bit trumpy, little bit trumpy, but fantastic as a digestive. That for me, that IPA and a strong um, uh, unpasteurised cheddar or pasteurised cheddar is fantastic. Um, I could also move into uh, with a big, 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 strong, clicky, matured cheddar. That's what I mean by clicky, that umami tang that you care. Maybe into barley wine, which push up into the 8, 9, or maybe 10, um, okay. and the 10%. Um, and for me, stats and blues are always yeah, good. Yeah, always, always good. Anything else, a little bit of scope. Anything yeah. If it, I, I, did a, I did my very first uh, beer and cheese taste, not even as an employee uh, to meantime. It was as, as, a, as a customer, but I, I knew the boys and girls. And we had a guy called Rod Jones. Now, Rod Jones 
um, yeah, Ken Pierce, familiar of the year 2015 and 2016. Uh, and Rod's, Rod's, you know, Rod's, Rod's, Rod's got a process. Mm-hmm. And Rod said, we've got these six beers from me, time and these six cheeses. He said, I'm going to ask you to eat this beer, uh, sorry, to, to eat this cheese with this beer. And then I saw side to Rod, and Rod went, if at any stage in the evening you want to try that beer with that cheese, go ahead, because everybody's taste buds are different. Yeah. And that's what I like. That's what I like about beer. That's what I like about cheese, you know, because you seem to think that things are set in their ways, but it's not. There's always no. scope. There's exactly. always scope, my darling. I always say, you know, with a wine or a beer, drink it how you like whiskey, for example. People say you can't put any water in whiskey, you can't put ice in whiskey. Drink it however you like to enjoy right. it. I'll get in trouble for this, right? If somebody comes into this bar and asks for a lemonade top or a drop of lime in their lager, who am I to tell you you can't have a drop of lemonade or a drop of lime in your beer? All right? Mm-hmm. If, we were to, if we were to say we go to Hawksmore or Gaucho, yeah. all right? Now, a lot of my pals, a lot of my pals I went to school with, they're old-school West Indian boys. They like everything burnt to pieces. They, if, we was, if I was to take it to Hawksmoor, or me and my boys go to the gauchos, they'll have their fillet steak well done. Now, the chef would be... I, babe, I know, I'm a medium sort of boy. You're a rare girl, are you? Medium rare. Uh, but they want, it, they want it cooked to death. Yeah. OK? Now, the chef would be a boy. Who am I to tell that you can't have it like that? Exactly. And that's it's, what I'm saying, is, is you've got to roll with the punches. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? One of my favourite pairings that we did um, today was the raspberry wheat beer oh. with goat's cheese. Oh, babe. Which babe. I wouldn't think of putting together. I think goat's cheese is a really hard one to match. <coughs> but so, what I was looking for, girl, with that, what I was looking for with that is, I, I mean, I mean, I, I, just to let you boys and girls know, I sent Sarah and the boys and girls at Paxton and Whitfield an extensive list of cheese for them to bring. <laughs> it was. I'm talking it was, a shed load. It was a lot. Probably about through. 30 different cheeses. Yeah. We didn't taste them all, but it didn't stop me stealing the ones we didn't open. <laughs> uh, what I wanted with the with the with the raspberry wheat, for, for me it's a it's a nice aperitif. Mm-hmm. All right. Now goat's cheese, I'm gonna have that on a canopy. So I'm thinking some goat's cheeses are light and lactic. Okay, now that little lemony note. Mm-hmm. I want something with a big mouthfeel that coats the inside. Creamy, yeah. Now the reason, the reason the wheat beer is not bright, it's still got the yeast in it, is because they lift it off your palate, so you have that big, rich, goaty mouthfeel. And then we go to the raspberry wheat beer. Now we're putting in a hundred kilos, sorry, two hundred kilos of Scottish raspberry puree into a hundred hectolitres of beer. That uh, converts to seventeen thousand six hundred pints. It's not oversweet. It's not an alcohol yeah. pop. Okay, and it's I love not, it's the tart. It's still quite tart. It's still quite go, refreshing. Girl. So that's a compliment, but it's also got enough gumption in the yeast to lift it off of one's palate. Yeah. That, and I thought, I thought, I think when we discussed with, with Dan earlier, um, that that will probably be what we start with. Yeah. Probably be what we start with, girlfriend. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Nice little pair of teeth. Get the palate warmed up. There we go. Get us up and running, girl. Get yeah. us up and running. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited. Event. Well, I'll tell I you what, wait. I've got a silly big smirk on my face. I don't, know if you, <laughs> I don't know if it's possible for you to hear the smirk on my face. Do us a favour. You need to book this up and come down and see us. It's going to be really, brilliant. really do. It's going to be brilliant. So it's the 6th of July. Um, tickets are available um, online at olivemagazine.ctickets.com. Uh, there's also a page in the June mag of the issue. All of the information is on there. Check out meantimebrewing.com for more information. And, yeah, we look forward to seeing you then. Thank you very much, Al. 
Uh, Sarah, it's always an absolute pleasure. Always an absolute... I hope to see plenty of you boys and girls in the near future. Thanks ever so much, Thank my darling. You. God bless you. Massive thank you to Max Bigal and all of the Olive Magazine team this week for another cracking podcast. And if you agree, don't forget to review and rate us on iTunes and subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode. And if you like the sound of anything we've been speaking about today, remember you can head to olivemagazine.com or buy the new issue of Olive Magazine in all good supermarkets and newsagents right now. In the meantime, happy eating of sarnies or whatever else you decide to devour. Happy drinking of beer and plenty more, I hope. And happy travelling. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>